0: Wisdom is that condition of being experienced and learned. It's the ability to foresee and make the best choices. That's wisdom. And God is willing to give that to us. If we will do what Solomon did, it's here we need to humble ourselves. Today, we're going to be talking uh, part four In the Getting to Know Our Wonderful God series, three Sundays ago we started. And we talked about our wonderful God. We learned three wonderful things. Number one is God is love. Number two is God is holy. Number three is God is a savior. And each one of these three have effects or ramifications in our lives. Um, It's good to know that God is love. Very, very good to know. Especially those days we kind of mess things up. Two Sundays ago, we talked about how God is the creator. Listen, if you missed that sermon, you can go online and you can watch that or any one of the sermons. You go to our website, go to media, go to uh, Recently View or Recent Sermons, and you'll find it there. But God is a creator. We don't have to be forced to believe in evolution. Evolution is actually a very bankrupt system. Did you know that more and more leading scientists are abandoning evolution. They are seeing it for what it is. The evidence does not hold up. And so that is a very important message, but God is the creator. We did not evolve from a big bang or a big clunk or whatever. Last Sunday, we talked about how God is an author. He authored a book. Does anyone know the title of his book? The Bible, right? And it's a bestseller. It really, really is. Statistics will tell you that. Uh, it's sold so far something like 5 billion copies. Far, 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 far more than any other book, the Bible. But more than that is the Bible is a different kind of book because it's alive. It's a living book. And you're going to have to go and watch the message. If you weren't here last Sunday, you'll have to go online and watch the message to see why we say it's a living book. But it really honestly is. And it changes hearts. It does. Well, today, we're going to see something else about God. Now, that nice song that was just sung about um, God. He makes no mistakes. That's so true. He makes no mistakes. God knows what He's doing. Why? Because He's wise. Not only is God wise, but listen to this, God owns all of the wisdom. Any Wisdom that's out there, it came from God. And we're going to show that to you today. Now, wisdom is the ability to foresee and choose the very best course of action in order to attain the very best goal. I'm going to repeat that. Wisdom is the ability to foresee and choose the very best course of action in order to attain the very best goal. Now, there's a humorous story about wisdom connected with uh, Henry Ford, the uh, automaker, right? The maker of the Henry Ford cars. I don't know if this story is true or not, but it sure is funny. It may, may be true, I don't know. But as the story goes, Mr. Ford, he asked the most brilliant electrical genius of his day, Mr. Charlie Steinmetz, he asked Mr. Steinmetz to come and design the electrical generators that he was going to need to power his massive, big automotive plant. And so uh, Steinmetz uh, did and designed and built these things and installed them, and everything went great. Well, one day, the generators all stopped working. Mr. Ford's regular repairmen worked and labored, but they couldn't find or fix the problem. And so Ford got on the phone to Steinmetz and said, Charlie, I need you. And so Steinmetz came over and he spent a few hours checking and observing and making tests. And then he went to one of the generators and with a piece of chalk, he made a small X on a certain portion of the generator. And um, Ford and others were watching him all this while. Then he went and got himself a big hammer And he whacked that thing right on the X. And all of a sudden, the generator came to life. And they all came to life after that. Well, everyone applauded and was happy. Steinmetz left. And he sent Henry Ford a bill for $10,000. Now Ford was flabbergasted. And so he, uh, he wrote back. He said, Charlie, he said, all you did was hit it with a hammer. Why are you charging me so much? And Steinmetz wrote him back and said, um, Dear Henry, he said, For hitting it with a hammer, $10. For knowing where to hit, $9,990. And Mr. Ford paid the bill. (laughs) But seriously, there really was a man in earth history who was renowned for his wisdom. And of course, you probably know his name, King Solomon. He was wiser than any man before him or possibly after him. Do you remember the story of how he figured out which of the two ladies owned the baby? Do you remember that one? How many of you remember that story? Raise your hand. Remember he brought out a sword and he was going to cut the baby and the real mother, you know, the, the phony mother said, all right, go ahead and do it. That, that's equal. And the, other, the real mother said, no, don't do it. Give her the baby. And it was just genius how, what Solomon did. And we have to ask, how, where did he get that wisdom? Well, we're going to learn a little bit about that today. God gave him that wisdom and how he did it. I'm going to share that secret with you during the message today. So please listen carefully. Let's begin with prayer now. Our loving Father, we thank you that you are just amazing. And you own all the wisdom there is. There is no wisdom that you do not own the rights to please help us because we need some of that wisdom today and father again I I pray for any here in the auditorium or watching online and maybe they're going through something that they just don't have the answer they don't know how to handle it and I ask you father give them your wisdom and show us how to reach out and take that wisdom Teach us today. Have thine own way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, folks, over the last several weeks, we've been learning that our wonderful God is a God of wonder. The more we learn about God, the more we're amazed. He is the one and only creator. He is the author of the Bible. He is the sum total of all love and holiness and He's a wonderful Savior. And, and we could basically say this, that God is the sum total of everything that is good and clean and powerful. Do you have your Bible open at Romans chapter 11? That uh, passage we just read a few moments ago. Open it there now, would you please? In Romans chapter 11, we have this verse. I have this verse underlined in my Bible. It's, it's an amazing truth. I'd like you to read out verse 11, I'm sorry, verse 33, uh, chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 33. I'd like you to read that verse out loud with me now, would you please? Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Folks, that is the truth of it. God is so wise, so smart we are never going to get to the end of it. It's, it's incredible. This tells us something about the wisdom of, of God. It's literally beyond our ability to understand. Um, outside my front door, my home, I noticed this a week ago. There was a little beetle. I don't know the name of the beetle, but it's black, and it had several legs and a couple of antennae. And I saw it there, and I said, well... Today's your lucky day. I'm not going to step on you. And so, anyhow, day after day, there's the beetle. It's still there. The other day, I got down real close to it. It's dead. It's still there. But um, that beetle understands the things of a beetle. Or at least it did when it was alive. The beetle can understand its little world, I suppose, but it cannot understand our world. That beetle has no idea of the wisdom of a human being, the abilities of a human being. That little beetle, or take an earthworm, if you will. There is no way an earthworm can understand a human. We are so much further advanced, infinitely advanced than the earthworm, and so is God advanced compared to us we cannot understand God he is so incredibly wise and wonderful it's like that comparison between the the beetle or the earthworm and us comparing us to God (laughs) the gap is too big this verse here tells us folks it's beyond our ability to understand now Remember, I told you the, the idea of wisdom is the ability to foresee and choose the very best course of action in order to obtain the very best goal. That's a, maybe a nice clinical way to put it. But I'd like to further say that wisdom is the ability to make the best judgments and decisions. Boy, that's a good one. We're all faced with decisions that we have to make on a daily basis. Will I go here? Will I go there? Will I buy this one? Will I buy that one? Sometimes people ask us a question, and we think for a moment, how will I answer them? Boy, we could sure use wisdom. Wisdom is the condition, listen to this, the condition of being learned. Learned and experienced and prudent. Um, How many here are in the process of learning how to drive a car? Can you raise your hand? Anyone? Okay, one, two, three, four. Boy, these hands aren't going up very high. Mm, Okay, well, hey, how many of us us have been there, done that? How many have gone through the the lessons and you've been scared out of your wits and so on? Right, we've been there, done that. And when you first get behind the wheel of the car, it's information overload, isn't it? (laughs) Key, key? (laughs) But in the course of time, it becomes more natural. Imagine if sitting right beside you was the greatest car driver in the world. Without, you know, bar none, the the greatest. And you're driving, you know, downtown Surrey. By the way, if you're not accustomed to praying, when you're driving in Surrey, you ought to become a prayer warrior. Yeah, some of these uh, intersections are more notorious than others, but you ought to uh, be praying as you're driving through the streets of Surrey. You know, Lord, help me, protect me, give me wisdom, <laughs> help me. I got an intersection ahead of me, Lord. Uh, Syria is just that wonderful kind of place. Of course, I've been told if you can drive in Manila, then you can drive just about anywhere in the world. I've also been told that about Rome, Italy, <laughs> and a few other places that are just bonkers, right? Well, we're kind of more normal people, you know, behind the wheel. But sometimes we get into frightening situations. The greatest driver in the world would have all that experience. He or she would know exactly how to turn the wheel, how much of the brake to step on, how much of the gas to step on, when to go up on the curb, onto the sidewalk to <laughs> avoid something. I actually did that. I can't believe that. Many, many years ago, I actually went up on the sidewalk to avoid something. But it, it's true. It happened. Anyhow, wisdom is that condition of being learned and experienced so that you know, you've been there, done that, you know what to do. You know what is the very best decision in order to get the very best results. That's what wisdom is. It's as if you've lived for... I don't know, a thousand years. You've seen it all. You've heard it all. You know, you've been fooled so many times that no one can fool you. No one can pull a wool over your eyes because, yeah, this is number 37. This one's number 123. Yeah, I've been told that line before and so on and so forth. You've been there. You've been experienced. They say, been there, done there, got done that, got the t-shirt, right? So wisdom is that ability to be learned and experienced. Wisdom is best understood in hindsight. Let me ask you another question. How many of you here today wish you could start this year all over again, start back in January? Anyone? Well, let's go back two years or three or four years. How many wish they could go back five years and start things over again? Huh? Like in the purchase of a car or a house or something like that? How many wish they could go back to being a kid again and start over? Anyone? Any takers on that? Boy, oh boy, you'd sit in school, you'd have all the answers, wouldn't you? Wouldn't that be something? Kids would wonder, how did you get so smart? Well, it only took 50 years, but you're 10 years old. (laughs) Well, that's the idea of wisdom. That's what wisdom is. You know, that's why we ought to show more and more love and respect to our seniors. We ought to show them more and more love and respect. Because don't you think they've been there? Don't you think they've done that? Huh? Some of the things that we come through, and ah, what are we going to do? Maybe we should go ask mom or dad, or grandma or grandpa. Huh? That's not a bad idea. You know, the Bible bears that out, really. Wisdom, the condition of being learned and experienced in life. Now, someone says, well, what about knowledge? Knowledge is good, but knowledge is not the same as wisdom. Knowledge is different. Knowledge is like a bolt of cloth. How many here like to sew with cloth and make things? Anyone? Raise your hand. All right, there's a few of them. How many own a sewing machine? How many know what a sewing machine is? (laughs) (laughs) Right, well. A bolt of cloth, right? That's knowledge. But wisdom is a finished garment. You see the difference? Knowledge is like a pile of lumber sitting on the ground, but wisdom hath builded her house. You see the difference? So that's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Someone says, well, what about intelligence? Well, intelligence is very important, but it's different. It's not the same as wisdom. You can be intelligent, but not wise. It's actually different. Intelligence is the the faculty of understanding something. It's the ability to comprehend something. Now, the world measures intelligence by using a point system on a scale called the Intelligence Quotient or IQ for short. according to the website VeryWellMind.com, the scientists who control the IQ standards have set the average person's IQ to be a hundred, okay? So a hundred is supposed to be the average. Now, it surprised me, I guess it shouldn't, but it surprised me that the scientists have had to adjust the scale, because apparently, humans are not getting smarter, we're getting dumber, and so our forefathers, you know, when they had a a scale of 100, it was worth more than our 100 today. It's something like inflation, You know, a dollar was worth more back then in the day than it is now. What can you get for a dollar? But boy, a dollar could buy you a few things back then. And so the IQ scale apparently has changed as well. I didn't know that. That's news to me. And so 100 is considered to be average. Albert Einstein is thought to have an IQ of 100 and, i got it written down here, 160. They say anything north of 140 is a genius. So Albert Einstein had 160. And I think he was a fairly intelligent guy, from what I know. I've never met the man. (laughs) Leonardo da Vinci, they estimate, was between 180 and 220. How many have heard of Nikola Tesla? Nikola Tesla. Not the car. I'm not talking about the cars. I'm talking about the, the man. The original man. He, he born in the 1800s and died in the 1900s. And he was the, uh, the inventor of the uh, um, AC, uh, AC current voltage and things like that. He did the big generator stuff for Westinghouse. Things like that. Anyhow, Nikola Tesla, the, the electrical inventor, is estimated be between 160 and 310. They don't know for sure, but it could be that high. de DeMello is a 46-year-old guy. He's still alive today. He is estimated to have an IQ of 400. The man's still alive today. That's the highest IQ I've ever been able to find on the internet. King Solomon in the Bible was probably way off the charts more than that. But as far as a living human being, this fellow, de DeMello... You can look him up later. 400, an IQ of 400. But here's the point. You can have a very high Q and yet still be a failure in life. That is true. Um, wisdom is more than intelligence. Wisdom is the ability to foresee and to choose the very best course of action so as to bring about the very best positive result. Wisdom is the condition of being learned and experienced and prudent. And folks, listen, God has it all. When it comes to God, there is no wisdom He does not own. He has it all. He has all the experience. He has experienced everything before it's happened. He can do that because He's God. All human examples fall far short of God's wisdom. Even Leonardo and even Tesla and Einstein, even if you were to put all of their IQs together, they are still no match for God. God is so much further ahead than them. It would be like, again, using a comparison, comparing a single drop of water. Imagine a single drop of water on the end of your finger. Compare that now to all of the oceans and all of the lakes and all of the rivers in the whole world. What is one little drop? Now, I I did a little research how much water there is in the world. 71% of the earth's surface is covered in water, right? And they estimate if you were to take all the water from all the oceans and all the lakes and all the rivers and you were to put it into one big ball as if it were a drop, that ball would be 866 miles in diameter. That's like... Almost 1,400 kilometers. How many have ever driven from here to uh, Regina, Saskatchewan? Anyone? Okay, it's a long drive, isn't it? That's 1,400 kilometers one way. That's how, how big you know, in diameter the water would be. And remember, that's 1,400 kilometers up as well. 866 miles high. You're getting near the height of the satellites that orbit the earth. That's the kind of water, volume of water we're talking about. And one little drop on the end of your finger compared to all of that? Uh, By the way, that brings to mind something. In Luke chapter 16, a rich man dies and goes to hell. And in hell, he lifts up his eyes and he has one incredible desire and it's not money. What did the rich man in hell want more than anything? Anyone know? Water water one drop on the end of the finger is all he wanted now that tells me something one drop of water is worth a lot in hell isn't it not gold not silver one drop of water I got a glass of water here imagine how rich someone would be in hell if they had that much water in hell Now, I didn't make that up. Jesus told us that in Luke chapter 16. One drop of water. By the way, it's better to have one drop of love for God here on earth than anything else on earth that would keep you away from God. It's better to have one single drop of love in your heart for God than to have all of the world's toys, all the wealth. Far better. Well, let's look again at Romans eleven thirty-three. 33. Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. And this really gives us an idea of how wise God is. So wise we can't see the end of it. It's impossible for us to search it out. God also wrote and told us in Isaiah chapter 55. He said these words, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is truly wise and his ways are past finding out. And listen, I'll give you an example. The most brilliant scientists on earth today are still not able to figure out the principles behind gravity. We all know gravity. You fall out of bed, you fall off a ladder... You know, you're going downstairs and you miss a step. There's a joke about a fella who, (laughs) he fell, thumpity-bangity-bangity-bangity-bang, splat on the bottom. And uh, the landlady came running and says, oh, did you miss a step? And he said, no, I hit every single one of them. It's just a little bit of, you know, old man humor there. But gravity, we all know it, but what causes it? The scientists still don't know. That alone proves the superior knowledge and wisdom of God. God designed it. If it wasn't for gravity, <laughs> we wouldn't be here today, would we? Everything would off into outer space if it wasn't for gravity. But it doesn't stop there. There's more. Scientists cannot figure out why cats purr. How many own a cat? Raise your hand, don't be ashamed. I'm not sure if I saw a hand or not. (laughs) Well, it's all right to own a cat. It's okay. Dogs are better, but, you know, it's okay. I'm just kidding. I I like cats. I'm just kidding. We used to own 13 cats when we were in Ontario out on the farm. So I like cats. Uh, But we know how cats purr. Scientists know how they purr, but they don't know why they purr. Imagine that, scientists. The most brilliant scientists can't figure that out. Scientists cannot figure why we tear up and cry when we watch a sad movie. They can't figure, they don't know why it is. They know the the physical tear ducts, but what brings it on, why, the trigger, they don't know. Something scientists don't know. They don't even know why we laugh. They know how we laugh, but they don't know why we laugh. They don't know why we yawn. It sounds like they don't know much, right? They don't even know how we age. They know maybe why we age, because we had too many birthdays, but they don't know how it is that we age. They haven't figured that out yet. They don't even know why some animals migrate back to the place of their their birthplace, like salmon fish. They don't know why that happens. The more scientists learn about the human body the more we are amazed at how we have been designed by God. One piece of the human brain tissue, one piece the size of a grain of sand, are you listening? One piece the size of a grain of sand of human brain tissue contains 100,000 neurons and one billion synopses all communicating with each other in one grain of sand, size of brain tissue. Your brain can process an image that your eye sees for as little as 13 milliseconds. That's less time than it takes for you to blink. Your brain can process that. And speaking of the eye, the human eye is composed of more than 2 million working parts. How many parts in your car? How many parts in the space shuttle? Well, your human eye has more than two million working parts in it. Darwin, the evolutionist, said he could figure out how we got our arms and legs and the organs, but he couldn't figure out how we got the eye. Did you know the eye is the second most complicated organ in the body? Do you know what the first most complicated organ is? The brain. That is the most complicated. The eye is only second. A fingerprint, for example, has 40 unique characteristics. But the iris of your eye has 256 unique characteristics. And that's why retina scans increasingly being used for security, by the way. God's ways are past finding out. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no end to the wisdom and intelligence of Almighty God. The patriarch Jacob was taken to task. Not Jacob, Job. The patriarch Job was taken to task when at the end of the book of Job, chapter 38, God sets him down and starts to talk to Job. And he says this to Job, where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding, who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest, or who hath stretched the line upon it, whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth as if it had issued of the womb? When I made the cloud the garment thereof and thick darkness a swaddling band for it and break up for it my decreed place and set bars and doors and said, Hitherto shalt thou come but no further." and here shall thy proud waves be stayed. Hast thou commanded the morning since thy days, and caused the day spring to know his place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth, that the wicked might be shaken out of it? It is turned as clay to the seal and they stand as a garment and from the wicked their light is withholden and the high arm shall be broken. Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea or hast thou walked in search of the depth? Have the gates of death been opened unto thee or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? That's just the beginning. Chapter after chapter, God is humbling Job. Till Job realizes, I know nothing. One of the distinguishing marks of God is omniscience. Omniscience means knowing everything there is to know. Not only does God know every single detail about all that has ever happened in all of earth's history, but listen, God also knows everything about what is happening right now. And God knows everything about what will happen in the future. Now this may sound like a strange thought to you, but listen to this. God knows every single detail about all the new cell phones and all the new electric automobiles that will come on the market next year. He knows every detail there is to know about them. This means God knows everything there is to know about you and me. There's nothing God doesn't know about you and me. Jesus told us that God even knows the number of hairs on our head. We don't even know that. And we live with it every day. We still don't know the number of hairs. Except, you know, sometimes we're brushing. There's four or five gone. (laughs) God has given a certain amount of wisdom and knowledge and creativity and problem solving to all human beings. He's given a little. Otherwise, folks, we wouldn't be able to feed ourselves. We wouldn't be able to defend ourselves. God has all given us a little bit. However, the dark side of this is that some humans use their little bit of wisdom and intelligence and they try to deny the very God who gave them life. Turn back a few pages to Romans chapter 1, would you please? Romans chapter 1. That's page 1169 in the Pew Bible, in case you lost your place. Romans chapter 1. So God has given a certain amount of intelligence and creativity and wisdom to all humans. But some humans use that the wrong way. Now, Romans chapter 1 verse 20. For the invisible things of him, that's God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen. In other words, we see the creation, we know there must be a creator. We see the, hey listen, a couple Sundays ago when I spoke about God the creator, I showed you a little baby food jar, do you remember that? Inside the baby food jar, do you remember what was in it? What? Watch parts. Not random watch parts. They were all from one pocket watch, one small pocket watch. I had the joy of taking that pocket watch, pocket watch, pocket watch. I took it apart. Right down to the most minute little screws. It's all in the jar, all those parts. And my question is, how many times do I have to shake that jar for the parts all to come back together? Because that is what evolution is. The invisible things of Him, that's the Creator, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even His eternal power and Godhead. I mean, looking around, you realize the world is so fantastic, so, so incredible that God must be powerful. We at least know that. It says, so that they are without excuse. No human being will ever stand before God and say, well, I just don't believe in you. Uh, There wasn't any evidence. They are without excuse. Verse 21, because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise they became, what's that word say it? Fools. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. How sad it is when the creation denies the Creator. Um, It happens sometimes where a little child will look at his mother and say, I didn't ask to be born. It happens where a kid will sometimes say that. It also happens where a little kid will sometimes say, well, how do I know you are my mother? How do I know you are my father? Huh? Maybe, maybe my mother and father are the, the king and queen. Doesn't happen too often, but it has happened. You know, where a child has said such a thing. Well, we say that's, that's pretty cute. It's pretty foolish, but it's pretty cute. And yet there are people that deny the creator God. They say, no, 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 we evolved I evolved, my daddy was a monkey. Imagine that. So, it's a sad day when the creation denies the creator, but you know, when you think about it, that's what we've got in life. We seem to have enough wisdom to get ourselves into trouble, folks. As human beings, look around. We seem to be able to hurt one another, and abuse one another, and lie to our closest friends, and steal what doesn't belong to us, and break our promises, and disappoint our loved ones. Apparently, it looks as if we've become very skillful at making evil appear to be good, and making good appear to be evil, so that we can oppress people whose race or color or language is different from our own. And we've learned how to take advantage of another man's mistakes, so that we become rich, By simply applying commercialism and greed and when things go terribly wrong, which they often do, we are quick and skillful to lay the blame on someone else. As humans, it seems we become very creative when it comes to destruction. Whether it be self-destruction by alcohol or drugs or sexual promiscuity or by suicide or whether it be world destruction by inventing weapons of mass destruction, or by polluting the earth, the sea, and the sky. You see, the Bible tells us that we as humans, professing ourselves to be wise, we have become fools. And I suggest to you, that's largely what we find in the world around us today. It seems a whole generation that has no time for God, no belief in God, No belief in what God has to say. But folks, there is some light here at the end of the tunnel. There's some good news. And that is God is willing to make you and I wise. Not the wisdom of this world. The wisdom of this world leads us away from God. But God's own wisdom. God is willing to share with us as much wisdom as we have need of. What He gives is in accordance to what our needs are. Supposing you had a need for a thousand dollars. If that was your need, then you don't need a million dollars, do you? You only need a thousand dollars. And likewise, in your situation, maybe you don't need to have the wisdom of Solomon. Maybe you just need something less to be a happy and successful and victorious person. You don't have to be Solomon. You don't have to be the world's greatest car driver to be able to safely get around Surrey in your car. That's good news. How did Solomon get his wisdom? I started the message with that. Well, it was given to him by God. And you ask me, how did that happen? Well, it happened, listen carefully, It happened when Solomon first began to be king and he realized that the job ahead of him, the task ahead of him was more than he was able to do. And so here's the key. Don't miss it. Solomon humbled himself before God. That's what Solomon did. Solomon became little in his own eyes. He didn't think he was big stuff even though he was the new king on the block he was only 20 years old he inherited all that kingdom he was terrified and he humbled himself before god and he was little and he he realized this and so he cried out to god for help and what did god do god was pleased to answer his prayer and god gave him as much wisdom as he needed and solomon needed a lot of wisdom it says in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of His mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. In the New Testament, the book of James chapter 1, verse 5, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That's, that's God for you. He's not stingy. He's willing to share with us. And God has all the wisdom. And remember, wisdom is that condition of being experienced and learned. It's the ability to foresee and make the best choices. That's wisdom. And God is willing to give that to us. If we will do what Solomon did. It's here we need to humble ourselves. But you know, right there, a lot of people won't do that. And some people, they get started to humble themselves. But then they quit. They stop humbling themselves. And they say, no, it's not going to work. And they quit. Howard Carter is a historical figure. Maybe you've heard of him. Maybe you haven't heard of him. But Howard Carter was born in 1874. He grew up with a love for ancient Egyptian archaeology. Now at that time, it was believed that everything that could be possibly found in the sand dunes of Egypt was already found, and there was nothing left to be found. And yet, Howard Carter believed that there were still some buried king's vast treasures. Well, in 1907, a wealthy man financed Carter's mission, his exploration to go and dig in the Valley of the Kings and try and find new treasure. 1907, 1908, Carter found nothing. 1909, 1910, he reported back to the wealthy man. He found Zip. 1912, 1913, 1914 goes by. We're into the First World War, folks. Still, Carter found nothing. The uh, expedition had to be, you know, carefully set aside for the war. You have to do that in times of war, you realize. But after the war, Carter got back at it. 1919, nothing. Nothing. 1920, nothing. 1921, the wealthy man is getting tired financing Howard Carter's explorations. And so in 1922, the wealthy man told Carter, Carter, he said, it's been 15 years, you haven't found a thing. I'm going to give you one last year. I'll finance one more season for you to go back to the Valley of the Kings and dig around in the sand and see what you can find. I'll pay for one more season. Howard Carter said, all right, sir. And so he thought about it and he went back to an old site that he had already abandoned. He had already dug around and he abandoned it. He went back to that site and he started digging and digging and wouldn't you know, he found a staircase in the sand. The staircase led down, down, down To a doorway. Behind the doorway, they discovered the most fantastic Egyptian archaeological historical find the world has ever seen. It was the tomb of King Tutankhamun. He's known to us as King Tut. The wealth, the treasures, it staggers the imagination. But you see, Howard Carter, he was pretty sure there was a treasure to be found. And he found it. But folks, you and I, we know, we know there is a treasure to be had if we will go to God by faith to get it and not quit. Howard Carter didn't quit. God will give us the wisdom we need to overcome problems, to have victory in our lives. God wants to give His children wisdom. I'm going to say that again. God wants to give His children wisdom. But we can only become His children by repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. That is the only way we can become God's children. Is by faith. Isn't it interesting when you think of Solomon with his off the charts levels of wisdom. He couldn't earn one brownie point of merit for any of his righteousness in the eyes of God. There was nothing he could do to earn righteousness or salvation. At the end of the day Solomon was just another human being. That needed to be saved from dying and going to hell. And so it is with you and I. Every man, woman, and young person needs a Savior, Jesus Christ. Because we have a problem called sin. And this is why God came to earth. His name was Jesus Christ. God came to earth to fix a problem that we could not fix ourselves. That of avoiding hell and making a way to go to heaven. God tells us that all our righteousness is as filthy rags. God tells us, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God tells us, for by grace are ye saved through faith. Now faith is the key. If you've never by faith gone to Jesus in prayer and said to Jesus, Lord Jesus, I know there's sin in my life. I know my sin has severed my chances of getting to heaven. Just like one pin is all it takes to break the balloon. One sin is all it took. And I got a lot more than one. Jesus is the Savior. And His His promise, His invitation is whosoever will may come. It's not open to to uh, Jews only or to Gentiles only. It's not open to uh, this class or this race or this native tongue or, or that intelligence or this wealth or to uh, young people or people between a certain age. It's whosoever will may come. And the Lord Jesus knocks on the heart's door asking admission, may I come into your heart? May I be your Savior? He'll only come in as Savior and Lord. If you just want Him as a Savior to save you from going to hell, but you're going to live your life the way you want, He's not going to come into your life. But if you will come to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I want you as Savior and Lord. You could sure do a better job with my life than I can. Lord Jesus, You be my wisdom. You lead and guide. And I'll follow You. But I need You to forgive my sins. And if you will do that, He will come in and you'll make two people very happy. Number one is yourself and number two is Jesus because He's been waiting a long time knocking on someone's heart's door. Pray with me now. Close your eyes. Let's bow our heads and pray. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.